gentlemen. I'm Rob Port. You're listening to WDAY AM 970. We're going to have open phones the entire program today. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about a little bit of a, I, I, I think a little bit of a stir we caused on the program Friday. I had NDSU professor Clay Rutledge on the program. We were critical of of the move. Uh, North Dakota State University, uh, among many other campuses across the nation, offering therapy and and counseling for college students upset about the election results. And then after that, um, you know, the the universities responded and they were outraged. There's some letters to the editor that are pretty interesting that that provoked. Um, so I, I, I want to respond to some of that. We're going to do that here in just a moment. Uh, also, uh, latest on the Dakota Access Pipeline news, there are protests going on at the Capitol right now. Uh, it looks like some of the protesters are arranging to get themselves arrested, um, I suppose at which point they can then claim that they've been mistreated and their rights are being violated, etc., etc. The protest movement has descended into farce. We will talk about that as well, plus your phone call, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. Some update in a uh, local legislative race, District 46, I heard uh, they did uh, canvassing today, um, and it sounds like they're going to certify the results on Friday. I'm talking, uh, I've been speaking just a little bit with Shannon Roars-Jones. Uh, she was a House candidate in that race. Uh, she won the election. Her father, uh, Jim Roars, uh, ran for the state senate in that seat. Uh, he it was it was very close. I understand that after after canvassing today, uh, it sounds like the the gap between uh, Roars and Democratic incumbent uh, George Sinner it was 37 votes. Um, Roars picked up 12 votes uh, when they counted uh, like the absentee ballots. Uh, Sinner picked up 11. Um, so not a lot of change there. Uh, I don't think I don't think the margin is large enough. It sounds like at this point the margin is not large enough to trigger an automatic recount, uh, but I think it is within the bounds where Sinner could could ask for a recount sometime after Friday. Uh, whether or not he will, I guess uh, we don't know. But as it stands right now, it does look like Jim Roars uh, won that election, but there is a possible recount uh, if he if he does win the election. Then it I, I guess it. Uh, it, it gives Democrats one more seat in the Senate. I guess they'd be up to ten seats instead of nine. Uh, they lost six, counting counting Roars or counting Sinner. If Sinner loses, they lost six seats. Uh, if Sinner turns out to have won after a recount, I guess they will have lost just five, which I, is is good for the Democrats. But overall, boy, they got a they got a shellacking uh, at the hands of Republicans on election day. Which which by the way brings me to the the point about the, the college campuses. There were a couple letters to the editor I saw. I, I wrote about this. NDSU sent out uh, an email to their faculty to tell students that if they're upset about the election results, uh, there are counseling sessions available. I had on this program NDSU psych- uh, professor of psychology, Clay Rutledge. Um, he, while, while emphasizing that, that people who feel they need help should absolutely seek help, not trying to create any sort of a stigma about seeking uh, mental health assistance if you need it, because um, there's nothing wrong with that. If you feel you need help, get help. But he was critical of, of campuses creating this sort of atmosphere of victimhood. Uh, there were a couple of letters to the editor today, pretty critical of me. Uh, one was from a Darcy Corbett. Uh, she describes herself as a transgender woman, doctoral student, 
uh, in health social psychology at North Dakota State University. Uh, she writes a letter thanking the administration of NDSU for the proactive response uh, to minority stress following the election. Uh, and then she goes on. She continues. I know there is a vocal group of white men and some white women who are criticizing NDSU for what they consider to be pandering to whiny millennials or prompting learned helplessness. However, I don't think NDSU should use their criticism as a metric of the appropriateness of their decision. Uh, she continues, don't listen to the voices of dissent. They don't know what it's like to be social outcasts. They don't have a right to comment on how we feel right now because they have not spent the last year being informed by our next president that they are rapists, murderers, freeloaders, thieves, terrorists, perverts, and the root cause of every bad thing about this country. Uh, another, uh, let's see, another uh, letter to the editor uh, says, uh, Dale Kaisershot, I don't know who that is, and Rob Port believe that college students are just too soft and need to suck it up over a Trump victory. It appears their privilege is showing. Uh, Mooch continues, uh, when you have been threatened and demeaned, in some cases even attacked, a support system is essential. I'm glad these two men haven't had to experience these things. Uh, first of all, I, I could tell you that the last couple of months, writing about the Dakota Access Pipeline, writing about politics, I have received ugly messages pretty much every day. I don't, I don't think a day has gone by. I don't think a day has gone by in years that I haven't been called a racist in one form or another. Uh, earlier this year, I had some, somebody actually sent a Facebook message to my wife uh, telling her that they hope my children, our children, get cancer. Um, I have been whoa, threatened. Whoa, 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 Yeah. It's, it's been ugly. I mean, it, it has been an, an ugly cycle. So for someone to say that I don't know what it's like to be demeaned or to be attacked because of my political outlook or whatever, believe me, I know all about it. I know a thing or two about it, and I accept it. It comes with the territory. I wish people wouldn't do it. I'd mostly ignore them. But, you know, unfortunately, no one side has a uh, has a monopoly on being a-holes over politics. You know, that's just, it's it's ugly. So, I don't know. I mean, first of all, and, and also, I get a little tired of this suggestion that because of my race or because of my gender, I am somehow inherently incapable of understanding other people's points of view, right? And I, I never hear this invoked for anybody else. It's always, whenever I hear it, it's always, well, you're a white man, so you can't possibly understand. I don't hear anybody ever tell, um, you know, a, uh, a a black man that he can't possibly understand what it's like to be a white man. I'm of the belief that we all have different points of views. We all probably have challenges in our lives, uh, you know, because of our, our different heritages, because of our different genders, because of our different races, sometimes those, those experiences can vary. And yes, certain groups have been historically marginalized in our society, and that is unfortunate and terrible, and I'm not condemning it at all, but I, I get tired of people assuming that they know about me, an individual, because of my race or my gender. I, I, I am tired of, of people seeing each other as groups, I, I think it's a I think it's a big problem. I am not a white male. I am Rob Port. I have my own unique history. I have my own unique life, which my race doesn't necessarily connotate all that much about. You don't know my life story. You don't know me because you know what race I am. You don't know me because you know my gender. And I'm not going to assume that I know you because you know your gender, and I know your race. We got to stop making those assumptions about one another. 
And that's I, I, I think that that's really what's what's so frustrating about this response on campus is that we are making assumptions about what people feel and we're creating this, this culture of victimhood. I mean, if we're worried about marginalization on, on the college campus, let's talk about the utter lack of ideological diversity on campus. Particularly among faculty, particularly among the administration. It's, it is it has become a, a sort of ideological bubble. It's a it's a big problem. And and by the way, who do you think feels marginalized when the official position of, of the campus is that by supporting Donald Trump, you victimized your fellow students? Right? I mean, how how are you supposed how are you supposed to feel that way? There was a there was a, a column in USA Today recently that I thought put it just just perfectly um law professor glenn reynolds wrote i quote when you treat an election in which the quote wrong candidate wins as a traumatic event on par with the 9-11 attacks calling for counseling and safe spaces you're implicitly saying that everyone who supported the wrong candidate is well unsafe so I don't know. I, I I tend to agree with Professor Rutledge. I I don't know that it's all that helpful. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Karen is on the line. What's up, Karen? Well, I was attending NDSU during the time of the Vietnam War, and Richard Nixon, who was the wrong Republican president, who caused lots of trouble. Yeah. Now there was fear about being drafted into the Vietnam War. At the time, the sentiment was uh, to be against the war. However, I thought a little differently about that myself. Okay. So I. All right. I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough, and and you know, I I, I don't I I think the problem is is and thanks for the call, Karen. I think the problem is when these campuses go out of their way to promote the idea that you need counseling after an election is promoting the idea that you're fragile or somehow uh, incapable of of dealing with this and i i think that gets into some more concerning areas having to do with the heckler's veto we'll talk more about it right after this 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 more to come straight ahead Welcome back, Rob. Report here on WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. You can email talk at WDAY.com. You know, we're talking a little bit about uh, these issues with uh, the, the colleges. And it, like I said, there were a couple letters of the editor uh, that were pretty tough, and I guess I don't have a right to have an opinion about these things because I'm a white male, and I I don't I don't understand why people think that that's helpful. I I don't I don't assume to know things about people because of their race or their gender. Um, there was you know there was this great gag in the office years ago where you know the the, the people in the office are putting together a basketball team, and so Michael the boss picks Stanley who is a black man to be on his basketball team because he assumes that Stanley is good at basketball because Stanley is black and it turns out Stanley is not good at basketball Stanley doesn't even like basketball and maybe we shouldn't assume things about people because we know their race 
Um, and and this this is part of what bothers me too, because I, I I think that this is an effort to try to control speech, to try to control political dissent on on multiple fronts. I mean this this idea that only certain people have the moral authority to talk about certain topics, I think is very troubling. I think it's also troubling this idea that that apparently having political points of view or voting for candidates with certain political views that are outside of the bubble of, uh, of, of left-wing orthodoxy. Um, I think these things, I, I think that's very troubling, um, right? Because, again, getting back to what Professor Reynolds wrote in, the, um, in USA Today, if you are classifying people as victims because of the outcome of an election, you're simultaneously telling the people who voted for that outcome that they're the victimizers, that they are victimizing these people. And I, I think that is a dangerous place to go in a free society. I mean, look, I get it. With Donald, Donald Trump was an inflammatory candidate, I didn't vote for him. Mostly because I didn't want to have to explain to my kids how I could support a candidate who said some of the things that he said. So I get it. I, I'm with you. I, I understand that. But I, I think we're treading into some dangerous grounds when we start we start doing this stuff. And it's it's not like it's an unusual development on, on college campuses where we often see controversial speakers, usually conservatives, who are are told that they can't speak. Uh, whether it's uh, you know Condoleezza Rice, former uh, Secretary of State under George W. Bush, told that she can't address uh, a co- you know deliver a commencement address uh, because you know some of the students protested. Uh, we have people like Ann Coulter or or Ben Shapiro or uh, other speakers who are are, are disinvited frequently uh, from college campuses because students there don't want to hear them or afraid that uh, their their speech is too controversial. Um, you know, and it's 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 not that I I don't particularly like Ann Coulter, but I feel like if if she's invited to speak at a college campus, she should be able to to arrive. She should be able to deliver that speech, and she shouldn't be shouted down or heckled into silence, as happens so often at these campuses. Um, it's a real problem on, on college campuses, and, and college campuses are are extremely influential in terms of uh, you know social and political outcomes off campus. And it's we ought to be troubled that, that these things are happening on campus. We ought to be troubled that this is the this is the attitude on campus. It ought to worry us. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. If if you have if 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 somebody is coming to your college campus and it's somebody that you don't like, you don't have the right to disrupt them. You don't have the right to try to block them. Uh you know, you have the right to counter demonstrate lawfully. Right. If you want to stand outside the venue and hold up a sign and, and tell people you think that, that the speaker is wrong and these are the reasons you think they're wrong. Fine. Great. That's it. But it, it we have morphed so far beyond that where we are. We are saying that certain speakers are so controversial that they're not allowed to speak. And there's actually a legal term for that. It's called a heckler's veto. Right. It's it's tied up in, in prior restraint. Um, prior restraint law around the First Amendment, and essentially what it is 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 it used to be that that sometimes we would make laws and we would say that certain speakers couldn't speak because they'd incite a riot, right? What what they were going to say is so controversial that people will riot, uh, and therefore they can't be allowed to speak for the sake of of public safety or what have you. 
and this is called prior restraint. It's called a heckler's veto because essentially what it says is that if you want to stop somebody from speaking, you could cause such a fuss, you could cause so many problems that they will be prevented from speaking, which is obviously problematic in a country that that strives to to value and, and to allow free speech and, and free discourse. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. If you want to join the program, email talk at wday dot com. We got a caller, Ryan. Go ahead. Hey Rob, um, like the discussion here, and uh, I really like your your comment there about how yeah this uh, announcement by NDSU in essence yeah it makes uh, it makes anybody who voted for Trump uh, look like like they're they're all like, like the bad guy them. makes them it's look just, like yet the bad again, guy talking down to the Trump people emboldening people even more so so um, I just wanted to, you you mentioned another article you know in USA Today I just want to encourage people there's a um, a, a kind of a, a liberal progressive uh, op-ed guy by the name of Nicholas Kristoff, pretty um, major writer, and he wrote a great article. And if you just, if you just Google the uh, "Confession of Liberal Intolerance," is the name of his article, and he he goes into great detail about how you know uh, conservatives are just literally being uh, you know taken off of the university campuses. I mean, they're just you know they're um, you know I guess being discriminated against, if you want to call it that. And I, it was one really interesting uh, comment in there. Uh, it was a, a, a sociologist who was a black guy and an evangelical, and his comment was, outside of academia, I faced more problems as a black, he told me, but inside academia, I faced more problems as, as a Christian, and it wasn't even close. So, wow. And interesting. Remarkable. Well, all right, I'll, I'll have to look that article up. Thanks for the call, Ryan. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Uh, protesters. Uh, this is Rob Port, by the way, here on WDAY. You're listening to the Rob Report. Dakota Access protesters in uh, Bismarck. They were at the Capitol today prompting a soft lockdown of the building. Nobody was allowed in uh, except for government workers. Um, the protesters have now marched off uh, the Capitol grounds and have marched uh, a few blocks away from the Capitol. Uh, I'm hearing a, uh, a report that uh, they're at the federal building in Bismarck. They have about a two-block radius uh, blocked uh, blocked off, uh, about 65 to 75 people. I- interesting enough, I was just reading a tweet uh, from a Bismarck Tribune reporter um, where at one point when they were marching at, uh, off the Capitol grounds, apparently the, the protest organizers were calling for the, uh, quote, arrestables to come f- toward the front. That is from uh, Carolyn Gruskin. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. Bismarck Tribune reporter. Arrestables, uh, meaning uh, people that they intend to be arrested, uh, which which sure at this point just kind of makes it seem like they're just out to cause trouble, right? They're just out to cause problems. Uh, you know, we're, we're just we're going to go here. We're going to march around. We're going to do illegal things until the police arrest us, and then we're going to c- claim that the police are a bunch of fascist fascists who are. Uh, you know, whatever. 
If you want to join the program, you can email talk at WDAY.com. We've been talking about uh, the sort of the reaction on on campus to Donald Trump winning. And listen, let me let me just kind of let me just kind of put a a, um, a period at the end of the sentence. The way the left has reacted to Donald Trump is also why the left lost the national election. It's why they lost the presidency. It's why they lost, they did not take over the Senate. It's why they did not take over the House. It's why they continue to lose ground in the state governments. They now have fewer governors. I think that at any time since like 1930-something, Democrats, uh, maybe further back, I may have those dates wrong, but they're they're losing ground in, in, in um, the governorships. They're losing ground in the state legislatures. Democrats are losing ground across the board. And I think a big part of it is that so much of the Democratic message is tied up in talk about race and gender and everything else to the exclusion of just about every issue. I always laugh when I hear somebody on the left say that we need to start a conversation about race as if race isn't the only thing we ever talk about. It's it's just it's just remarkable to me that, that this is where we're at, that this is where uh, one of the two major political parties is at, where the only thing they ever want to talk about is is race and, and gender issues. Um, I, I, I think a big part of the, the reason why the left has been losing ground is because they've backed the idea that somehow if you think women should pay for their own birth control, uh, you know, that that's not necessarily a, a quote unquote war on women. Uh, you know, they, they have embraced the, the idea that if, if you're pro-life, which roughly half of the country is at any given time, uh, to one extent or another, that you're somehow a, a knuckle-dragging misogynist. They have embraced the idea that if you don't think being gay gives you the right to conscript the services of a wedding photographer or a cake baker, that you're some anti-gay, uh, horrible, deplorable person. Uh, you know, this is this is what they've done. They They have... They have set themselves up where you either agree with them or you're evil, and that is not a good way to win in politics. In in politics, you win by addition, not subtraction, and the left has been busy subtracting people from their pool of voters for a long, long time, and it's hurting them, and now it's showing up at the at the election. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would, I would argue that President Obama managed by his, you know, sort of um, – by his status as, as as the first black president in the United States, probably was was a blip in in, in what was a longer term. I, I I think I think Barack Obama, because he was such a skilled politician, because he was such a charismatic leader. I say this as somebody who didn't agree with him very honest often on on policy, but he was absolutely charismatic, and he was you know he he garnered a lot of support for people who wanted to support the first black president of the United States of America and i think that may have obscured this this overall trend that that democrats are are struggling with um i think there are a lot of americans out there people who might not even describe themselves as as conservative or, or right wing who are are tired of of getting lumped in uh as 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 though they were a bunch of, of right wing zealots or, or, or right right wing uh, knuckle draggers or whatever, uh, simply because they're, they're skeptical of the claim that uh, you know you ought to be able to force a wedding photographer under the law to, to work at a wedding they don't want to work at. I, I I think on a lot of these social issues, 
it's it's tough, and the left is out there, and, and they're losing ground because of it. Um, and and to the extent, and it's it's worse on America's college campuses than it is anywhere else. And you know, and until that changes, I, I don't think we're going to have a healthy political atmosphere in America. And I I don't think that uh, Democrats are are going to to gain ground. That's just my two cents. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Uh, email talk at WDAY.com. On, on the flip side, I, I do want to talk about something about Republicans here in North Dakota. I mean, you want to talk about political success. For, for over two decades now, Republicans have dominated state government in North Dakota. And uh, to, to the extent that, that you hear a lot of talk about uh, the good old boys club, uh, even from Doug Burgum, uh, who ran as a Republican, is our new Republican governor, um, you hear a lot of talk about how House Majority Leader Al Carlson is is pulling the puppet strings, and uh, or Big Oil is pulling the puppet strings. And I would argue there there was an article in the Bismarck Tribune about how Burgum is going to come into office, and he he's going to come into office, and he is going to face a, a challenge almost immediately from his fellow Republicans in the legislature. And I thought it was interesting because it's absolutely right. Burgum is. He's going to be challenged by the legislature. And it was interesting because the article included quotes from former Governor Ed Schaefer, who was first elected to office in 1992 and really sort of ushered in maybe maybe the dawn of, of this current era of, of Republican domination in state politics. Uh, and he says in the article, I quote, the first people to attack me were Republicans. Um. I think that that consistency among Republicans being willing to challenge their own leaders, uh, being willing to, to maybe buck the leadership of their own party, um, speaks to maybe why Republicans have been able to build majorities in state government in North Dakota that have lasted for so long. Um, the Republicans have seem willing to very often prioritize the, the the wants or the needs of their constituents maybe over uh the agenda of of their political party to to the consternation very often of of republicans or, or conservative critics such as even including myself uh, who would like to maybe sometimes see a little bit stronger or, or thorough adherence to to conservative uh, ideals so if I had to put my finger on, on a reason why Republicans in North Dakota have been dominant for so long, I would say it's because they don't march in lockstep. They tend to be pretty independent-minded. The legislature tends to challenge our Republican governors. Our Republican legislators tend to challenge their own leadership. Now, the Democrats like to say the otherwise. They like to point to the things that Republicans are doing and suggest that those things are are again, they're doing the bidding of the oil industry or they're doing uh, the bidding of big corporations or out-of-state interests or they're doing the bidding of Al Carlson or they're just, they like to paint Republicans monolithically. And I, I, I think where the Democrats are getting it wrong, the reason why North Dakota Democrats are now in a super minority in the state is because they are confusing what they, I guess, describe as a extreme right-wing agenda from Republicans, they are confusing that with what North Dakotans actually want, which is not really an extreme right-wing agenda. It's actually a, probably a very moderate center-right center agenda that is the product of a Republican supermajority 
that has a lot of different factions in it, that has a lot of disagreement within it, uh, but yet manages to hold together through decades. Uh, it, 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 is, it is the credit to their success. It, it really is remarkable. I mean, American politics tend to be cyclical because people tend to, you know, after a certain amount of time, get into a sort of throw-the-bums-out attitude, right? Because when you're in charge, when you control the executive branch and you control the legislature, you don't have anybody else to blame. So if things go wrong, it's your fault. It's tough to blame the other party because when you've got a supermajority, because you could essentially push things through. So how have Republicans managed to survive that? Well, I think they've actually been pretty good at listening to their constituents and advancing the issues that their constituents want. And I think Democrats are losing because Democrats are just not what North Dakota voters want. Tough medicine, I know, for Democrats, but I also think it's the truth. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. More to come straight ahead. We're going to wrap the show up. Don't go away. Darren was uh, kind enough to send me the link to that Nicholas Kristoff column. Uh, I just shared it on Twitter, at Rob Port, if you want to take a look at it. It's actually from May. It was written before uh, Donald Trump won the election. It was written earlier this year, this spring, actually. Uh, I'll quote from it. Uh, He says, I quote, we progressives believe in diversity, and we want women, blacks, Latinos, gays, and Muslims at the table or so long as they aren't conservatives. Universities are the bedrock of progressive values, but the one kind of diversity that universities disregard is ideological and religious. We're fine with people who don't look like us as long as they think like us. Okay, that's a little harsh, but consider George Yancey, a sociologist who is black and evangelical. Outside of academia, I faced more problems as a black, he told me, but inside academia, I face more problems as a Christian, and it is not even close. I've been thinking about this because on Facebook recently, I wondered aloud whether universities stigmatize conservatives and undermine intellectual diversity. A scornful reaction from my fellow liberals proved the point. Much of the conservative worldview consists of ideas that are known empirically to be false, said Carmi. Truth has a liberal slant, wrote Michelle. Why stop there, asked Stephen. How about we make faculties more diverse by hiring idiots? To me, the conversation illuminated primarily liberal arrogance, the implication that conservatives don't have anything significant to add to the discussion. My Facebook followers have incredible compassion for war, war victims in South Sudan, for kids who have been trafficked, or even, even for abused chickens, but no obvious empathy for conservative scholars facing discrimination. The stakes involved... The stakes involve not just fairness to conservatives or evangelical Christians, not just whether progressives will be true to their own values, not just the benefits that come from diversity, and diversity of thought is arguably among the most important kinds, but also the quality of education itself. When perspectives are unrepresented in discussions, when some kinds of thinkers aren't at the table, classrooms become echo chambers rather than sounding boards, and we all lose. But I, I think that just nails it. That's up at the New York Times. Like I said, I just put the link up on Twitter. Well worth your time to read. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. If you want to join the program, you can email me as well. Talk at WDAY.com. 
Um, very, uh, it, it, it's it's a very frustrating thing. And listen, I, I, I don't want a conservative echo chamber any more than I want a liberal echo chamber. As a matter of fact, when I started SayAnythingPlog.com 13 years ago, one of the promises I made is that I would not... I would not ban people from my comment section on the blog because they disagree with me. And I, I think to this day, if you read it, uh, there are probably just as many people who are critical of me than people who agree with me. And I would argue uh, to the extent that I, I guess I consider myself successful and that I get to uh, talk and write about politics and current events for a living, I would argue that it's it's been a big part of my success. I welcome disagreement i welcome people who who don't necessarily agree with me um and i i think we're losing some of that in america i i think in particular we've lost it on america's college campuses and it, it worries me getting back to the topic that we started the show with it worries me when a place like north dakota state university which is supposed to be producing thought leaders for our region and for the country that they don't understand that when you tell the students, when you give them the idea that they have been victimized by an election outcome that was favorable for Republicans, even one with, with somebody as, as bombastic and insulting as Donald Trump is, that, that they've been victimized by it, I, I think it's a dangerous thing. Um, I, I, I think that much of the media... Much of academia operates within this bubble where dissenting viewpoints are so alien to them. They are so used to sort of looking down their noses at it because everybody they socialize with, everybody they work with, tends to see the world in, in a generally monolithic way. It becomes a dangerous thing. And I, I think that's a, it's a big part of what's happening in America right now. Hey, anyway, Jay Thomas Show coming up next. I'll be joining you with him in a little bit. Uh, you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or at SayAnythingBlog.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.